You're listening to the Talking Rheumatology Research Podcast, brought to you by the British Society for Rheumatology. Welcome to the Talking Rheumatology Research Podcast. My name is Dr Eileen Tan. I'm the Editor-in-Chief for Rheumatology Advances in Practice. I'm also a rheumatologist in Leeds. Today, we're going to discuss an interesting paper looking at the healthcare cost in rheumatoid arthritis, asking the question, is symptom duration before DMARD therapy a determinant of direct and indirect costs in DMARD-naive rheumatoid arthritis patients? This paper is published Open Access in Rheumatology Advances in Practice. I'm delighted to be joined by the lead author, Dr. Ilfita Sabudi. Dr. Sabudi, please would you introduce yourself? Hello, thank you for inviting me for this podcast. I'm Elfita Sabudin, a rheumatologist based at the University of Birmingham, Rheumatology Research Group. Would you like to tell us about the background to your systematic review? How did it come about? Yeah, so basically there's a lot of drive of emphasising what are the benefits or the clinical outcomes in patients with rheumatoid arthritis should we treat them early and it's well established. However, there's not many studies that actually identify, well actually, what are the cost consequences? Are we spending more money in the short term and long term or do we not? So why is this important? It's very important for the NHS so that we can plan long-term sustainable healthcare, specifically if we want to continue with the early arthritis services that we're currently doing at the moment. So, yes, that sounds really important. Anything to do with cost and expenditure, um, we are very um, um, aware that we need to be fully appraised of what's involved. So would you like to tell us about your key findings from this review? So the key findings is we need more research in this area, mainly because um, when we looked at the study, um, we screened about 357 records and we found there, there's only a handful of papers that we could include in our review. And then the reason of that is because different studies were looking at different health outcomes. So, for example, one study would look at how much does it cost for the patients. Um, one study would look at how much does it cost to the funder. So, in, in the UK, that would be the NHS. So, in a systematic review, obviously, to compare different outcomes across different studies is very important. And the second point is that um, no one actually defined what criteria they use to define symptom onset. Some papers do it as a symptom onset, some papers do it as disease onset. And therefore, we were unable to sort of match the aggregated data to compare it. So we, we did a narrative review and summarise um, in each paper the broad findings. So I think that's been challenging for you, as you described, because of the heterogeneity of all the manuscripts you, you reviewed. Um, but what, if any, were surprising to you from what you saw from all these studies? Yeah, so one study showed that if patients were treated after 180 days, so that's six months, there was actually associated with lower healthcare use within the first year of RA diagnosis. 
So healthcare use in this particular context uh, was accessing the rheumatologist, the nurses, the blood test, because our initial hypothesis was actually the other way around. If you treat someone quicker, you're going to use less resources. But this is to do with the nuances in health economic study, because it really depends on how much cost data that one capture, number one, and number two depends on the study perspective, um, which we don't have this issue when we're doing clinical studies. For, for example, in health economic study, it's important to define the study perspective. Is it from the NHS perspective, from the patient perspective, or um, from other payers' perspective, for example, insurance company so therefore, sometimes we get results that we do not expect. And it's important to dissect further in terms of what cost data that was actually captured. And I find that that was really challenging, but it was a really good learning experience. Great. Um, and so from these studies then, how would they impact your clinical practice um, in terms of what you know so far from the review yeah, so basically, in terms of how it impacts my clinical practice, I would still treat patients early. We're not going to treat patients late just because um, it's cheaper to do so. But I'm more mindful in terms of how much it costs to the NHS and it's about balancing the short-term cost versus the long-term cost. So, for example, I might start someone on biologic very quickly. So the initial RA cost, as we call it, the direct cost be fairly high in the initial years, but in the longer run, it'll be much cheaper. So this study looks at not at the patient level, like we do in clinical studies, but I look at the health services level. So it just gives me a different insight when I see my patients. Thank you. And what do you think um, from the findings of this systematic review is important to patients? What would patients take away from the findings? I think from the patient perspective, I'll give them insight in terms of where the costs are mainly segregated, if you like. So in early RA, the cost is front-loaded, if you like. So that'll be the initial high cost initially. And then long-term, if they go into drug-free remission fairly quickly, then that'd be good. Having said that, some studies they have a U-shaped distribution, which is high, low, and then high again. So for the patient perspective, I suppose in the NHS current climate, it'd be good for them just to sort of be mindful about this of cost that's going on behind the scene and bearing in mind that we do take into account the patient's cost. So in this case, we call it indirect costs such as loss of income because of their RA disability. Thank you. Do you think this information therefore would help clinicians um, discuss with patients that the background of cost and expenditure and, and therefore help in sort of a joint decision making in terms of their management and their therapy? Yes, I think that's a very good question. I suppose that's a, a bit of a tricky one because um, in the context of um, the UK healthcare services, all of the costs um, are incurred by the NHS, i.e. taxpayers, as opposed to um, other places, for example, um, insurance-based service. If when, for example, we're switching someone from NTTNF originator to biosimilar, and the cost is vastly different um, by probably a factor of eight. So 
when discussing the patient rather than saying it's just cheaper, I'll say it's it's a very similar drug with just one or two molecule difference, a very good clinical efficacy. However, it saves this much taxpayer money. So I guess it would be quite good to sort of to initiate that, but obviously we wouldn't say that, oh, we're switching you because it's cheaper. And normally it's being done as a trust basis anyway, so it's not the clinician's um, decision, but it's a good starting point just to sort of mention it to the patient because not many patients know that how expensive anti-TNFs are. Totally agree. And, and as you said, I think at the end of the day, it's it's in the best interest of the patients and, and the society as well uh, in terms of the cost and expenditure involved. Um, so if you were to therefore design the perfect study to explore this further, because your conclusion suggested that we need more work in this area, how would you design the perfect study to um, come to a better conclusion? Yeah, so ideally what we want is a long-term observational study that carefully capture the uh, symptom onset so that we have an accurate disease duration, as well as a study that capture all the different facets of cost. So cost to the NHS, cost to the patient, um, uh, especially in terms of um, loss of working time. And nowadays we record indirect costs as cost of loss in social time because as we know, people with flare-up sometimes have to cancel their social engagements. And this study needs to be a minimum 5 to 10 years so that we, we can have what health economics call as time horizon. So the current health economics study, if you look at the um, National Audit Office, that was done a long time ago. And in particular, the cost nowadays obviously is vastly different, number one. And diagnostics are different as well because now we use ultrasound, and thirdly, um, we don't really see patients with, you know, polyarticular arthritis coming into their, their first visit. We could be we could be seeing those, but we tend to see patients with UA and classified arthritis in the pre-RSH or even in the CSA stage. So they have clinically suspected arthralgia. So these are all different um, health economic studies. So what we need is an inception cohort, which is what we're doing at Birmingham, and then carefully capturing all this clinical as well as the health economic data. Fantastic. That sounds really promising for the future. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sabudin, for this very interesting discussion about your paper, which is now available free to access online um, at Rheumatology Advances in Practice. Thank you very much, and I hope all our readers would um, enjoy reading this paper. Many thanks. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Talking Rheumatology Research. Thank you for listening to Talking Rheumatology Research, brought to you by BSR. Please do rate, share and subscribe through your favourite podcast app.